Carter English here with HIG Talks. We've got Jamie Ice with me today of Sixth Avenue and everything associated with it, as well as Green River Ordinance guitarist. So, uh, welcome, Jamie. Thanks, man. Glad yeah. glad to be here. Yeah, this is uh, I think the third conversation that's been someone I would call a friend. So that's always fun. It makes this a little bit easier. People are always like, "Oh, you seem so organic." I'm like, "Well, so you're saying so you're saying you're not friends with the other people that you <laughs> have had on." Uh, here. No comment. So <laughs> Um, I'm glad glad to be in that yeah, camp. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you know, obviously, kind of our first place that I always like to start in this conversation mm -hmm. is just a little bit of background of you know who is Jamie, um, where are you from, kind of some of the the things that led you to where you are today, and then we'll dive a little bit deeper into Sixth Ave and some of that. Okay. Um, that's always such a hard question. Yeah. Uh, when people are like, what do you do? I'm like, I've <laughs> <laughs> done a lot of stuff. Yeah. So I, I am, I'm from Fort Worth, Texas. I've okay. lived within a three mile radius my entire life. Wow. Uh, started playing music very early on. I was bad at sports. So my parents bought me and my brother guitars. <laughs> Uh, and, and started a band called Green River Ordinance when I was 15. My little brother Jeff was oh, 13. Uh, we played in high school, went to, went to TCU, which is right down the street from the, the, the high school I went to. Yeah. Uh, Were you we, a Pascal guy? Pascal guy. Nice. So literally like one, <laughs> I literally have lived in a three mile radius. Wow. Um, and we, we signed a record deal with Capitol Records, what would have been my senior year of college. Sweet. So it's been a lot of time just on the road and traveling and, and we, we had songs on the radio and pop rock and then we kind of evolved into some Americana and Texas country and had Texas country singles and anyways did, played music for about 15 years. Yeah. Uh, in 2011, 2012 I opened up a restaurant on Magnolia Avenue in Fort Worth called Brood Coffee yeah. Shop restaurant thing yeah. with, with some friends and my wife. Uh, we took that to, we opened a Dallas location. We opened mm -hmm. a location at DFW Airport. Mm -hmm. So you were flying to DFW yeah. Airport. Terminal. Regular stop for my wife. There we go. The brood. Yeah, ter terminal, terminal D. C, C or D, yeah, it's yeah, D. D. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so did that, did that for a while. I, I sold out of that a couple years back. Um, and and to, around that same time, my wife uh, launched a nonprofit called The Net. Uh, kind of helped, was, was a part of like the groundwork of that and she has taken it and done some amazing things. Um, I started flipping houses kind of as a side hustle in my neighborhood. I live in, 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 a, in the oldest neighborhood in Fort Worth and we, me and my buddy just started buying and restoring old historic homes. Nice. And so uh, we, we wound up, started as a, as a couple and then we wound up mm. probably doing 100 and 120 old historic homes that we bought and restored and, and I just started posting what we're doing on Instagram and social media and and, wow. and and through that people started calling us saying hey we love what you do uh can you can you help us yeah. buy or sell my house here. yeah uh our realtor doesn't know anything about old houses <laughs> or construction can you help us yeah. and for a while we said no but the more people that kept calling us we um we realized there was a need in the market for something different. Mm. Uh, specifically, you know, real estate at the time, you know, 15 years ago, was very s suit and tie. Yeah. And, and if you look at me, I'm <laughs> not, there's nothing wrong with suit and tie, but I just, that's yeah. just not me. Right. Long-haired musician. Um, and at the same time, I think, you know, my generation cares a lot about originality. We mm. want to, we want to find, we, we care about, we want something that feels like us. Right. We want to buy a house and make it their own. And so the, the traditional real estate process, it's hard to do that. You got to hire an agent and then yeah. a designer, then a contractor. So we opened up a company called Sixth Avenue Homes. It's a one-stop shop real estate company. It helps people buy, sell, design, and, and renovate. Uh, and so we launched that in 2016. Yeah. Um, kind of stopped touring and playing music as much around then as we launched that and that's grown we now have 30 something real estate agents we have interior designers we have architects we have a big construction team and we've opened uh, a couple offices we just opened a, a parker county office waterford alito then we just opened another office kind of announced it a couple days ago <laughs> in in bell county which oh, really? is temple and belton right okay. out, right outside of austin nice. Nice. um so have, have been doing that for a while and then we did some commercial development, uh, did a big development on, on South Main, bought this series of warehouses and put in some retail spaces and a wine bar went in and then we launched an event space called the 411. Um, and yeah. Did that, uh, help, help, help start that. Uh, and then um, most recently, like in, in, in COVID, uh, we launched a marketing company called Sixth Avenue Storytelling. Yeah. Uh, and so have, <laughs> have worn, <laughs> worn a few hats and yeah. been a part of a few different things. Good. Um, so right. kind of maybe an entrepreneur yeah. at heart. All right. Well, that's the end of our podcast. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, 
man, there's so many things I was thinking about through that. So first of all, and I've told Jamie this before, uh, that I remember seeing the chalk art at TCU, walking to class thinking, what is Grow? I don't know what that is, uh, which was his band. Wait, wait, wait when did you graduate TCU? When were you there? I graduated in 2010. Okay, okay. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so, which... What are you, a couple of years ahead of A couple me? years ahead like of yeah. yeah. So I just remember seeing those and then seeing y'all live at a couple of points in, in my college career. Um, so it's just funny to fast forward to where we are now. But, okay, so obviously... And, and I would say, so that, like, yeah, yeah. we would literally, when we play a show at TCU, you know, I was like, I don't, I don't care if people like our music. Right. I want every human on campus to know who Green River Ordinance yeah. is. And so we would put these flyers everywhere. We'd do all this crazy Facebook stuff and emails, and we would go to right. play at Rory's, and we would sidewalk chalk all over the campus, yeah. literally at like midnight. And, and I think that's, you know, I, I was never the guy in the band, like, sitting in the corner writing songs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm like an okay guitar player. Uh, I write write a little bit, but I loved the business side of it. I yeah. love the marketing side of it, which a part, and a lot of what I learned in music is is kind of what led to starting Sixth Avenue Storytelling. Mm. Um, but but uh, it's 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 funny because <laughs> at early age I was like, how do I get yeah. people to know who we are? Yeah. Well, that like leads perfectly into what I was about to ask is yeah. that like you were 15, your brother was 13. Mm-hmm. Where do you think that thing comes from in you of, okay, I'm just going to hustle. I like the business side. Like, how do I just start? Like, where did that come from in you? Hmm. (laughs) There's like a very, uh, I'm trying to think of where I want to go with that. Yeah. There's, there's like a, um, you know, a psychological, you know, nurture nature. You know, I, I, um, that's, that's a great question. I, wh- where did it come from? Like that hustle and that mm-hmm, drive. Mm-hmm. I, I think if I can be like really vulnerable and honest and maybe like take us to a weird spot. <laughs> uh, I was a really like chubby kid in elementary school Okay. and I just didn't ever feel cool. And I didn't, yeah. you know, I, I, I just, I never felt comfortable in my own skin. Mm. And, um, and I think I remember hitting a place in like middle school. I was like, I, want to be cool. I want to be popular, which is, I know is like a, a superficial thing yeah. to say and want. And so I started like working out and, and, <laughs> and I lost some weight and I grew. And so I just, I just was like, I, and some of that is very unhealthy. Like I just, I want to be cool. Mm-hmm. And so I think mm-hmm. a lot of that drive in high school and in college and this promoting thing came from this like feeling inadequate and not comfortable in my skin right. and wanting to like, I want to be popular. I want to be loved, yeah. you know, Truth of the matter is, is like popularity and fame and get, doesn't make you feel any more loved. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. But I think that probably that initial spark came from some of those insecurities. And on the flip side, I think that's just how my brain is, is wired. You know, mm-hmm. I, I became a, a, um, a small business owner at essentially 20 years old. Like yeah. when we got signed to Capitol Records and, and I left TCU, I'm like 15 hours short of graduating. Uh, my parents are like, you're cut off. <laughs> Go do this thing. We support you. We love you, but you're cut off. And yeah. so from the age of 20, like I, I now have a small business that has to support me and my brother and our, and, and the rest of the guys in the band. Mm. And so, uh, you know, and that lit me up. Like I loved the challenge of it, whether that came from these early, you know, elementary yeah. school insecurities, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but something in my brain was uh. wired to like, I want to take something and grow it right. and run with it and chase this, this dream. Yeah. No, it's so funny. So honestly, it's, weird that there's a there's a little bit of kind of uh synergy between our two stories and that actually it was somewhat similar for me and my brother was captain the football team in front of me and and so i i started to develop this like i want to be like that Mm -hmm. i want to be similar i'm going to drive i'm going to push i'm going to so there's some of that same thing um but in any of those endeavors especially the ones that are you know new to you uh as probably all of them were at some point you know, it requires a, a great deal of um, even humility in that to say, like, hey, I'm going to figure this out. I'm mm-hmm. going to just go and I'm going to start doing it and figure it out. So, like, as you've started each of these businesses, um, could you point to anything that you would say, you know, this is kind of part of my process. Is that like I just start here or is it just I just start or what, what does that look like when you looked at, you know, you're 20 years mm-hmm. old. Hey, I'm, I'm kind of a business. <laughs> I'm a business owner now. Yeah. How did you start learning? Is it ask a lot of questions? Is it, I mean, what do you do? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think, 
you know, how, how did you start learning? How did, what's your process like? Mm. Um, I am, well, I think one fundamentally, I believe that, that in many ways, like you are in control of your own destiny. Like I don't, I don't believe in just being found. And, <laughs> and I think most people just wait to have this thing happen. Sure. And I've always been, you know, let me, I'm going to chase it down and make it happen. Mm-hmm. Like there's, I, I believe in a little bit of luck. Like I've been given a lot of luck. I feel like God has given me favor and open doors. But at the same time, like, mm. I, th- I think there's, there's a, you have to go get it. Right. And you, the life you want, like, it's in your hands to create it. And so, in that said, I've, I've always kind of chased things that I'm curious about or liked or, or want to do. And I'm a big believer is if you know why you want to do it, if you know the heart behind it, if you know the mission behind it, if you have a vision of what it can be, you can always figure out how to do it. Mm. Like how is easy to figure out? And almost all of those, like a band or a real estate company, like started a real estate company without having a real estate license or knowing anything about that. Started a marketing company without having, you know, having ever worked at an agency. But I think there's an element like if you, if your vision is big enough, you know, a strong enough vision will create discipline Mm. and you can figure out how to do anything. And so, you know, Simon Sinek lead with your why was always a a, a big part of sort of my story of like, man, if you have the heart and the reason and the motive and the vision, you can figure out the rest, right? Like that stuff's easy, easy to do. Yeah. And I think one of the uniquenesses to you that I see from afar is that is probably that fresh perspective that you're not like an industry person in any of those. You yeah, like, no. I'm not an industry real estate guy. I'm not an industry uh, podcast, you know, marketing guy. I haven't, I haven't just, you know, grown up in that. And mm-hmm. so I think you bring a lot of like fresh set of eyes to a lot of the businesses that I've seen you create, which mm-hmm. I think is, is part of kind of your secret sauce is that you show up very genuine. You show up very, you know, real because that's just who you are and you're looking at it with that fresh set of eyes. Yeah. Um, One of my favorite quotes is, um, I'm going to butcher his name, but (laughs) Yvonne Chouinard, I think that's his name, the founder of Patagonia. Okay. And he has this. I've heard his podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He has a great book. He's he's inspiring. But he has a podcast about entrepreneurs. And Mm -hmm. he's like, entrepreneurs are a lot like juvenile delinquents. (laughs) Like juvenile delinquents are like, I I don't care, you know, about the rules. I'm going to do it my way. Yeah. You know, and entrepreneurs are. And and some of that's good. Some of that's, Mm -hmm. you know, again, has brought a fresh perspective. And some of it's can get you in trouble. Right. But I think I've always been like, man, I don't, I don't care how it's been done. I think there's a better way to do it. You yeah. know, one of our, our missions for Sixth Avenue, like the parent company of Sixth Avenue Homes and Sixth Avenue Storytelling and Sixth Avenue Lending and all those is, is just exploring the better way. Like oh, there's, cool. al- there's always ways to, to put your stamp on it. Yeah, um, that's awesome. So as you've grown then, how have you like fought? Like what are some things that you do to make sure that, that you still stay like kind of true to that mission vision statement that you have um specific what do you mean the just exploring the better way yeah um i i think it can get really quick and the reason why i'm kind of asking that because i see oftentimes like in the insurance industry a lot of times that it's like well this is the way it's always been done yeah there's a lot of that especially when you're at a company like a higginbotham one of the things that i think we mostly do well is let's not just cling to like, this is the way it's been done. Yeah. Like let's do the right thing for the customer. And so, um, for you. And that's one of the reasons I love Higginbotham. That's what, like I'm a client because (laughs) I feel like y'all have taken a different approach to real, to insurance and think outside the box. Yeah. Well, thanks. Um, yeah. So then how, how have you tried to make sure that your employees don't get ever to a point of settling and saying, well, this is the way we've always done it. Uh, that's a good, that's a great question. I think, you know, one is I just, I hate that phrase. That's the way it's always been done. Yeah. And I think, you know, whether it's good or bad, sometimes it's a superpower, sometimes it's an Achilles heel, but I just don't, I don't like rules. And mm-hmm. I don't like when someone says no, or someone says, this is how it has to be. Yeah. You know, I, I generally want to explore and pave my own way. And sometimes that's a painful process, but, I, but I think specifically for employees, you know, we are, we are a very mission and values and principles driven company. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I mean by that, again, like when we started Sixth Avenue Homes, which is like the first kind of umbrella under Sixth Avenue, we had no earthly idea how to do what we were doing, but we were really intentional. Like, what does it look like? What is our why? What is our values? What are our principles? And and one one of those is you know we we reject the status quo and encourage innovation. Um, cool. Another one of those is where we daily want to grow stronger, smarter, and more selfless. Yeah. Both, which is about growth and about 
not not settling. And so we have values like that. And most most businesses, most companies, even businesses I've been a part of, like we had sort of values. Hmm. They might have been on a wall somewhere, but we didn't talk about them. But one of the neat yeah. things about Sixth Avenue is like every single meeting we ever have with a team of more than three to four people, yeah. we talk about one core value. We start every meeting we ever have with oh. a core value. When it, we had our all team meeting yesterday, we, t- we lead it with a core value. So we're constantly, 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 you know, so if one of those values is yeah. reject the status quo and encourage innovation, like that, that's just in our DNA. And so when it comes to problem solving, uh, you know, that's, yeah. that's just part of what we do. And we talk about it a lot. I think, I think most people's core values are just like this integrity. Honesty. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything, but for us, it's like, you know, the, the why yeah. is what, what leads us. So, are you familiar at all with like Ritz Carlton? And oh yeah, yeah. So that's very much similar to what kind of their thing. I think mm-hmm. I'm gonna mess up his first name, but Horst Schultz. <laughs> Another yeah, hard name, yeah. 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 <laughs> but I'm reading his book right now. It's called Excellence Wins, uh-huh. and he talks literally. The chapter I read yesterday, he talks about that same idea. Yeah. That mission and vision statements usually just sit on a wall and yeah. they sound great, but there's nothing done with them, and so. Um, they lead every single morning with meetings of successes or, you know, to your point, talk about a core value. Someone in the circle says either a way that they've experienced it in the last 24 hours or a team member that, you know, uh, images that. And so that becomes a way that they kind of perpetuate that because to your point and to his, uh, how do you, you know, hold true to something that you're not, you know, being reminded of daily? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so... It, one, it, one of the things in that in his book yeah. where he like empowers every employee like you have you can spend up to two thousand yeah, dollars yeah I think it's nineteen hundred dollars nineteen hundred dollars if an employee or not if a customer is not happy you're allowed yeah. to make it right right even from like the janitor yep. to the val you know exactly it's, it's pretty cool yeah but, but I think one of the other things you just said sorry, sorry to yeah, inter- no, interrupt you good, again yeah. is, is is so we in our meetings core value and mm-hmm. the next thing we talk about is wins and lessons okay and the reason we talk about lessons is we believe lessons come from mistakes. Mistakes are opportunities to grow. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of companies, it's very mistake averse. Sure. You know, so you have this culture of like, I'm, I don't, I don't want to be honest. I don't want to talk. Sure. And so we talk sure. a lot about our mistakes yeah. because they help you grow. And so when you Im- create that culture of mistakes are okay, mistakes are good, right. let's be honest and open with them. It also pushes growth. It pushes you to grow better. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. And this, you know, uh, excuse me, Jim Hubbard, if I, uh, give too much information here. It's uh, our COO, one of our founders here. Um, but, you know, this is one of those things that can become a little bit ethereal. But, you know, one of the things that I've heard Higginbotham's executive say all the time is, is do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And so anytime I've ever brought a problem to them, uh, the answer that I've always gotten has been, well, what's the right thing to do? Mm-hmm. And when I look at that problem, I say, I think this is the right thing to do. I've never heard no to that. And that's been cutting the difficult check mm-hmm. to make it right to the client. That's been um, you know, making the difficult phone call to a carrier to say, hey, mm-hmm. th- we have to fix this and it has to change. Um, but to your point, it, it kind of becomes like anything else that the more that you kind of develop that muscle of just do the right thing mm-hmm. and you keep doing it again and again, it becomes even more part of that culture because you see each other do it, you get encouraged in it. Um, and so then it kind of just becomes part of like what the fragrance is of your company. Yeah. Yeah. And what's neat about that is is the right thing is very open-ended, and yeah. it sounds like they empower you mm. to figure out what that is, which, right. is, which is very cool. Like yep. it's that, and that's like we want you to be the leader mm. and solve for the right thing versus sure. saying the right thing is X, Y, and Z. Yep. Uh, yep. That's cool. I love yeah. that. I was telling Michael Parks, uh, our COO, the other day that I said I think his greatest superpower in management is his ability for me to walk in, you know, in a complete spasm, worried about a problem, present it to him and him sit back and say, hmm, what do you think we should do? Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, it infuriates me when you do it because I just yeah. want to bring you this problem and I want you to fix it. But his calmness and his confidence to allow us to think through it and then make the call and know that we're supported by a company that, that wants us to, mm-hmm. to really, you know, be family to our employees and, you know, great partners in our communities. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think there's certainly something to that idea of like lived values. And, mm-hmm. and I really love that y'all are kind of talking about it every morning. Is, is that like a group huddle with everybody or what is that? Just any meaning. Okay. So whether that's just with my leadership team, 
or whether that's you know our social media team or yeah. whether it's our real estate agents when, on their agent meeting or our construction team. I mean, it's in any meeting we start with a core value and then and then wins and lessons. And no, the, the I think like just just that idea of like what do you think the answer is? Like one one of our our core values is we never bring a problem without bringing a solution. Mm. Is is when you when he throws that back on to you, mm. what do you? It forces you to lead. Right. Because the difference between like in, in my mind a, a leader or an owner and just a doer or an employee is, is leaders solve problems yep. and just doers point to problems. Mm -hmm. And so when you say there's a problem and you <laughs> want someone else to solve it, like right. you're not leading. And so right. when he pushes that back on you. What do you think you should do? It, it yeah. forces you to lead and solve the problem for yeah. yourself. And yeah. he's also empowering you to, to, to miss, make, mess up. You might mess that up. Right. Uh, but, right. It, but he's forcing, you know, character and, and leadership. Sure. Which is awesome. I love yeah. that. Yeah, it's super cool. So then, you know, something that I think both of our companies experience is, you know, Higginbotham grows largely, you know, through organic and then acquisition. That's kind of our two growth strategies. Yours is more, you know, all organic. You're not acquiring anybody. Um, I would love to acquire We <laughs> <laughs> just have bootstrapped to everything we've done. Um, that sounds fun. Yeah. So acquiring um, companies. <laughs> I don't know what that's like. Uh, so talk to me then about, cause this is something that we talk about all the time. And so mm -hmm. like Higginbotham, we started a culture committee to make sure that we have people that are kind of in every region considering how do we, you know, continue to propel our culture as we continue to grow and expand and sometimes take over an office that, you know, they kind of are close to our core values, but there needs to be some mm -hmm. changes uh, for the better there. And so how, how have you, you know, outside of things like that meeting, is there anything else that you do to try to kind of propel like, hey guys, this is who we are. We're moving to, you know, Bell County, but this is how we stay who we are because mm -hmm. Jamie's not there every day. Yeah, I, um, I, th I think, and you're talking more internally, mm -hmm. um, internal, like, yeah, culture. let's go internal and then external let's do both. culture and, and people. You know, yeah. I, I think a big part of it is just giving someone a vision of where you're going, which mm -hmm. is, which is very hard. Like, uh, you know, we, you, you have to give someone a vision of like, here's what we're going. Here's what success looks like. Here's what the future looks like. Um, and, and you have to talk about that a lot. Mm -hmm. And so we, Literally in, in our meeting yesterday, it, it, we it was like, here's our one-year vision, three-year vision, and ten-year vision for the company, right. uh, which is very different because you know Six, Six Avenue Homes was an idea in my head, me and my business partner's head five years ago, and right. now it's like this real thing that's doing it. This team that you know people have bought behind this idea, we've executed, we're now doing it, and so but just taking the time of like what's what's next and taking the time to unplug and step away, you know, and and, and ideally. You know, we, we, we tried to do that every year. Um, it's now April, <laughs> and we should have probably done it in January, but, yeah. but we just, you know, so we just rolled out sort of like the new vision for homes. Like our 10-year our, our vision for Sixth Avenue Homes is, is we want to take our one-stop one -stop shop model across the state and have mm -hmm. 20 offices uh, in, awesome. in 20 different locations. And then our, our, our I want to make home ownership easier and more accessible than ever before in, in Texas yeah. because I think our model is a better way to do it. And then, then with Sixth Avenue Storytelling, our, my vision is to encourage entrepreneurship, to make entrepreneurship easier uh, and more accessible than ever before by giving people my playbook for growing a business. Cool. And so, you know, the, the vision there is, is, is I want to give tools and resources to, to 100,000 entrepreneurs in the, in the next 10 years. Yeah. And I want to help, you know, 30,000 entrepreneurs and small businesses here my team can help you grow your business and so I, I think talking about where you want to go and having this aspirational here's where we are going to go and so we we have Jimmy my partner and I have always been really really intentional and, and good at doing that taking some time to unplug and then coming back and we have literally done it every single year every, every year our one-year goals were like we did it this is you know yeah we said we were going to op open this and here here we right. are right man that's sweet um yeah I, I've always tried to do that to your point, I've kind of been in the same boat this year, but I was trying to do that on a small scale. And I think that, you know, any sort of entrepreneurship, in my opinion, requires a little bit of a lot of just that kind of building block of, you know, I remember when I first did it, it was just me. And some of my friends that I work with here were like, what do you mean you're setting like mission, visions and goals for your year? Like, I was like, well, at some point I'm gonna have to cast to other people. And if I'm yeah. not casting to myself, yeah. I'm like, how can I ever, ask anyone else to follow something that like if we don't know where we're going 
Yeah. You know, and, and you have to remind yourself of that. Yeah. So I, I do like we do it for a company mm-hmm. and then I have I have a little card. Right. It's a front and a back. One side is like my declarations, truths that I kind of preach to myself. And the, and the back is uh, my sort of purpose for the year. Mm-hmm. And then my one, three and 10 year goals. Yeah. And I have I print I print out like 20 of those a year. I stick it on my desk. I stick it in my Bible. I stick it next to my bed. Yeah. And so I'm constantly looking, saying, here's, here's where we're going. And, yeah. so, and, and then when hard stuff happens, yep. you know, when COVID happens and you're like, oh, my gosh, the world is crumbling. You know, you have that. This is where I'm going. I'm not I, I can't stop. I right. can't give up because this is I wrote this down on paper. <laughs> here's what we're doing. Yeah. And so I, I'm, I'm like having it for your personal is probably right. just is just as important as having it for your company. Yeah. Mine have always been uh, like business, spiritual, mm-hmm. and then personal. Like what yeah. are the three, those are kind of my three buckets that I have. Like what, what do I want to accomplish this year? Um, you know, where are the, what are the things that we're holding close to? We being me, now I have a wife, both of us, uh, mm-hmm. in terms of like, who, who do we want to be as a people, as a family? Yeah. Um, I think those things are incredibly important. Um, so, you know, obviously there's a lot of things happening right now. You just kind of laid out your kind of 10 year vision there, mission. Um, what, what like right now in Jamie's life about six Ave, about business, um, what kind of like gets you most excited right now? What, what, what are you looking forward to the most? Um, that's a good question. We're, we're, we're opening some new offices at six Avenue homes, which is exciting. Mm-hmm. And just, we just have a great team in place that does it better than I can do yeah. it. Uh, and, and then most, I swung really hard into Sixth Avenue storytelling. So mm-hmm. I, I am, my partner Jimmy's essentially kind of like the CEO right now of Sixth Avenue Homes. Cool. I'm still a part of it in charge of marketing and bigger vision, but he's running it. And then I am essentially like the CEO of storytelling. Nice. So I spend 90% of my time on the storytelling side, Sixth Avenue storytelling, and I just love it because I get to literally take everything I've learned about business and marketing and give that. You yeah. Know, here's what I've learned and help small businesses grow. And, wh- and one of the new things about what we're doing is—is is that is kind of on a consultative basis as well, or right now is it just content? Like, what is that? It's, it's, it's kind of one one of two things. And so w- one of the things when we when we st- well one of the reasons we st- well there's there's a backstory to why we started it and what some of the things that we do. But part of it is is we either consult saying, mm-hmm. hey, here's my plan for mar- here's everything I've learned. Here's my playbook. Let me help you articulate your story and give you a marketing plan for you and your team to execute and go. Cool. And that's for a lot of a lot of businesses and small businesses that can't afford a full-time agency. Yeah. Or if you're like, you can't afford that, mm-hmm. you know, we we do ongoing work and storytelling, as we call it, um, for a lot of great brands. Nice. And and kind of our focus is is primarily on one organic growth, two on like using story to market and grow your business, which I believe is like the most effective way to do it. Mm. And do particularly small businesses and entrepreneurs. A lot of like big agencies, ad agencies, marketing want like these giant, want Coca-Cola, want Perrier. <laughs> yeah. uh, I am not interested in that. I, I think it, in my mind, small businesses are what make a city special. Mm. It's like it's it's like going to New York and eating at Sbarro. Like nobody wants to do that. <laughs> like My, Michael Scott. You know, what makes Fort yeah. Worth special are like yeah. the Fort Worth local brands. Yeah. Know, Joe T. Garcia's and like though though that's the heart and soul of a community so when you help and encourage and support those you're literally shaping the things that make a city special Mm. um so i think that that's what i am most excited about we have a few other ventures and things we're working on but a lot of it is like i get to spend every day helping to support and encourage entrepreneurs to grow their business and and give them success that's awesome that's super cool um all right so um you know we've talked about we've touched on uh, the, the business side of music, we've touched on the business side with real estate and storytelling. Now, the last thing that I think people are always going to want to hear about, let's, let's talk music <coughs> a little bit. Let's talk, yeah. uh, what was, like, talk to me just a little bit about like, kind of what, what led you out of that life? What was your favorite things about that life? Um, you know, I won't say out of it cause you're not completely out of it, yeah, but I'm kind of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we just do it a little bit, yeah. uh, but, yeah. but, but a lot, 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 lot. I less. think, I think there's actually quite a few people that probably just know you as green river ordinance. Uh, so yeah. Talk to us. Like, what was that like? What, what, what was it like being in a band like that? That, I mean, honestly, I, it's kind of funny. Y'all had a ton of traction, right? When you kind of were like, all right, bye. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, what, what got us out of it was we also having kids. Yeah. And we'd just done it for so long. And it was fun. 
And even like our, our last album that we released in, I think it was 2016 or 2015. I mean, it was the number six country album. It was number one folk album on Billboard. Yeah. Uh, we had like three number one Texas country singles on that album. It's crazy. Um, and, and we could kind of go anywhere in America and people would show up and bark, yeah. that, which was cool. Um, but we started having kids and yeah. I just toured for so long. Um, and when you toured, like how long would you be on the road at a time? So, yeah. So my first year of marriage, I was gone 312 days Whew. and we, we You're were still married. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I would say on average, like it was probably anywhere between like 200 to 150 days. Dang. And so one thing I've found is I, I love routine. I mm. love like making my lunch and yeah. going to the office. <laughs> and so just, you know, literally my brother and Josh are singer and myself had kids and we were just like, man, we love this. This is special. This is fun. This is great. Uh, but we want to be home for our kids. Mm. And at the same time, Sixth Avenue had just kind of started to, to blow up yeah. for me. And it just felt a calling to kind of be back in Fort Worth. Yeah. Um, but what I, I mean, loved about it, it was just fun. I mean, you're, you're getting to play music, which is a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, and we got to, I got to play with a lot of my heroes. That's um, cool. I got to meet a bunch of my heroes. Who are some highlights there? Uh, gosh, I mean, we got we like Bon Jovi to Willie Nelson wow. to to Third Eye Blind to Switchfoot yeah. to Google. All I was a '90s rocker kid, nice, nice. and I love '90s. So we got <laughs> a, anyone in the '90s we probably played with, Collective Soul and, <laughs> and Live, and uh, you know, all all of these. Good man, just kind yeah. of pop rock heroes and stuff. I, I think one of my the the night I always tell people that we we peaked. Or like <laughs> it doesn't get any better was we we played Red Rocks um, wow, with the awesome. Goo Goo Dolls that's awesome. and my dad flew out to the show and nice. and it was like a sold out crowd <laughs> in July and the sun's going down and we're at Red Rocks and there's like twenty thousand people there yeah and so we we got to do a bunch of really yeah I have a bunch of cool stories I'd be able to tell my kids <laughs> one one day man I feel like you've lived uh, you've lived a lot of lives and you've done a lot of cool stuff um, you know as a friend you know I can definitely say like I'm certainly proud to to even just know you, I mean, you, you do a lot yeah. of awesome stuff. So definitely some stuff to tell your kids there about. Okay, so you talked about like the thing that makes you most excited right now is Six Ave storytelling. Mm -hmm. So love for storytelling, marketing. Um, so where does where does that kind of give us kind of an overview of like what is what does that look like? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to answer that just with like kind of a, the backstory. Okay. And so when I was with Green River, when it's like I, I managed the band off and on, I booked the band off and on, I marketed the band off and on, I acted as a record label off and on. And one, one of my big goals in wearing those hats was how do I take someone from just a casual listener mm. to a super fan? Someone mm. that comes to one concert to comes to all the concerts. Someone yeah. that buys one CD, how can people buy CDs that buys all the CDs? And, and w what I found was the more people felt like they knew us, yeah. the more likely they were to feel connected to us, the more likely they were to become that super fan. Mm -hmm. And so they had, when there was this personal, like, I know them, they, it deepened the relationship, they're more, more likely to be the super fan. So mm -hmm. a big part of our marketing strategy really shifted from sidewalk chalk, come to the concert, yeah. you know, to sign, up, sign with a label and look how cool we are, here's tour posters, come to the concert, buy the CD, to here's what I'm eating for breakfast. Right. Here's my dog, or here's what yeah. we're listening to in the bus, or here's what we're doing backstage. And so it was very content heavy, inviting mm -hmm. people behind the scenes, saying, here's, here's our, our story on a personal level. Yeah. So I'd show up in Minneapolis, and someone would be like, Jamie, how's your dog, Oliver? <laughs> and I'm like, I've never met you, yeah. but you think, but you know. Yeah, but they yeah. like they knew me, which was the point. Um, and so fast forward, when, we, when I opened Brood, I was kind of in charge of, of marketing for Brood, mm. uh, the restaurant. And, and I was like, I'm not going to spend a penny on advertising. And the reason being is, is my personal theory is that the moment someone shows up on my phone or on my TV or on my radio and says, buy this thing, we tend to tune out. We're mm. so inundated with advertising that it instantly goes in one ear and out the other. Yeah. And not even that, just you now you're annoying me and I don't want to follow you. Right. Um, and so I, I, one of the mistakes I see a lot of businesses make is one, they treat things like advertising, and two, they treat their social media like advertising. Mm. They get online and say, buy this thing, buy this thing, buy this thing. And I'm like, no one wants to follow that. And so with Brood, I was like, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna, I'm going to try marketing it the way I market at the band. Yeah. And we're going to do a lot of content. We're going to do a lot of social media. And instead of saying, you know, here's a cup of coffee, come buy it, I was like, I'm never going to say come buy it. Instead, we're going to say, hey, here's your cup of coffee, and here's where it came from. 
or here's John, the barista who poured it, and here's their story, or here's Joe, our regular, and here's his story, drinking yeah. the cup of coffee. It was very story-driven mm. content. Um, and so we very quickly grew to have more social media followers than any restaurant in Fort Worth at the time. It, wow. it brought a lot of people in the doors. And then when we were doing six, seven homes, it was a, a similar thing. Uh, you know, every other real estate agent and company in town if you look at their social media it's like here's a house buy a house here's a house buy a house and when you look at their website it's yeah. like here's a house search for the house um and and instead we were saying here's what we're doing here's my kids on the job site here's why here's the heart and the mission behind mm. it. here's the families that we're helping Man. and if you go to you six avenue homes website it's all people i think people buy right people um and, and and one of the other things that we did was i i think when you communicate in story people listen mm. when you tell a story people perk up when you say come by this people tune out and so we took a lot of time to craft our story and specifically our customer story i think there's there's two main stories when i talk about storytelling which is a fluffy word yeah i think there's your customer story mm. here's what you want here's how we make your life better because no, like for you no one wants an insurance agent right. no one wants that what they want is like to protect their business and not get sued, yeah. you know, <laughs> or when something bad happens, like yeah. you got it covered, right. you know? And so how do you communicate that? And so we spend a lot of time articulating our story and, and, and then, w and then when we launched the event space, we kind of used the exact same formula. Mm -hmm. When Melissa launched the net, it was very like content heavy, inviting people in the story. And through all of that, through all those ventures, I hired almost every marketing company in Fort Worth mm -hmm. and there are a lot of great ones. And what I found was like almost all of the agencies couldn't, make me a great logo, a great graphic, a great website, but there was always a disconnect on feeling like they got me. So they make me a website and I spend all this time having to rewrite it. So I'm like, they don't get me. They don't know how to tell my story. They don't understand my story. And then, uh, and I think the reason, reason being, I think a great brand is in part, here's your logo and graphics is important, but I believe words sell things. Mm. Graphics don't sell things, words sell things. Mm. And so I kept finding these marketing companies would spend all this emphasis and time on graphics and logos and visual things, but they didn't spend any time getting to know or articulate my story and creating language around it. So that's one of the big secrets of what we do with, with Sixth Avenue Storytelling is help people identify and communicate and mm -hmm. explain their, those two stories. The flip side, I also built all my businesses on, on social media, using content, you know, throwing content out there. And, and one of the things I found is all these ad agencies weren't set up to do that. So I'm juggling these businesses, I'm growing a team, and I kept saying, can you take over my social media? And they would either say, no, we don't do that. We are an ad agency, we do advertising, so we can do your, your, social, your pay per click advertising social media, yeah. but we don't know how to do your three, four, five, six days a week content. Mm. Or they would say, yes, we can do it. And when they would do it, it was horrible. It was like a guy <laughs> in an office who had no connection to who we were, right. it just felt a disconnect. And they, it was always like, let's do a campaign. I'm like, I don't want it or need a campaign. Yeah. I need ongoing content. So, so Jimmy and I, my partner kept joking, you know, we should, we should create our own marketing company because mm. there's kind of a hole in the market. So, so that, that being said, one of the things that we do with, with, with Sixth Avenue Storytelling is, is, is one, and I think every business should use storytelling to market. It's one, we help businesses identify and communicate and create language around their story. Mm. And then what's your plan to use that story tell it yeah. and this is what this is doing like the reason yeah. this podcast is so neat and cool because you're inviting people into a deeper story right. which builds connection and trust yeah and so that, that that's essentially what we're doing at six seven storytelling is helping people use storytelling to grow grow a following and those Dude. are the tools that we love to share man that's awesome and it's so funny that like fires me up because it's so much of what my passion is with insurance and changing some of the way that things are done like people say all the time now that, you know, personal selling uh, is dead and the old way of doing business was through relationship. And I argue all the time that, no, it's not. Like it's still the same. The difference is that the venue and the avenues by which it's done Yeah, is that people still want to buy from someone they trust. People yeah. still want to, you know, you know, get their products from people that they know and understand and that yeah. they have some, you know, common connection with, Yeah, you know, to your point, I visit restaurants where, you know, I believe in who's doing it or, yeah. Um, when you know somebody that owns that place, you tend to go more because you're like, I want to support them. I know them. I yeah. care about this person. Um, and so I, I am such a believer that so much like with my clients, there's such a importance to knowing them, knowing each other, uh, them feeling like they know me and they understand what's important to me because that builds greater loyalty. 
to your point, it kind of builds that super fan that then tells the next person about how great, you know, this experience was or who yeah. this thing is, you know, who they, this person is and what they built. And so, uh, man, it fires me up. And just pe- people by people. Right. It's a feature of people. And the, the other thing is I think any relationship whether it's a romantic relationship mm. or a friendship relationship or a business, there's three stages of a relationship. There's interest. Oh, that's kind of an interesting person. Yeah. I'm at a bar. That guy looks cool. Look at Cardi. I've heard, heard his name. It's interesting. Then you get to know someone. I'm informing. I'm getting informed. Mm-hmm. Do I really like him? Is he really that cool? Is he not? And then there's a commitment. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and that's like it's going on a first date, and you're like, Oh, I like you. Will you marry me? That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if I went up to your bar and I was like, "You seem cool. Yeah. Be my friend." That'd be yeah. weird. And right. so I think businesses, you know, jump the gun mm. and they go, "Buy us, buy this thing, hire it," without building the relationship. Yep. And so I think one of the secret sauces that we've done, like with Six Avenue Homes, is like we invite people to get to know us on a personal level. Mm. So when they're buying a house, I'm not even selling them anything. They're like, we love you. We know you. We love your brand. We want to use you to buy sure. a house or renovate a house. Sure. It's, it's that trust. Yeah. Yeah. And, and honestly, in truth, sometimes you're willing to pay a premium for that trust. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, I just believe in you. I know you're going to do the right thing. And there's inherent value in what you do because you have my back. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And you, and, and you, they, they, they buy, they spend more for the trust. They also spend more for the brands that tell the best story. Yeah. You know, like the reason I, you have an iPhone. Yeah. The reason I have an iPhone is because there, there are stronger, faster, more megapixels, better phones out there. But the story of Apple and the trust I have with Apple is greater. And so I'm willing to pay more for a phone that's not as good <laughs> because I have bought into the Apple story and how right. they have my trust. Right. That's awesome. Man, we could stay on this subject for a really long time <laughs> because it gets me juiced. But um, so, all right. I'm an entrepreneur. I've got an idea. Not sure where to go, what to do, how to start, what do you tell me? Um, you know, I, I, th- I think that's, a lot of people have ideas and the difference is like, are you willing to like chase it, chase it down and, 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 and risk to, to do it? Mm-hmm. And, and I know, you know, for me, I, I think one you, get one, you get one life and like, are you gonna regret not doing that? And then, and then two, I feel like a lot of my, a lot of like my freedom to chase my dreams has come from like my faith. Mm. Faith is, mm. a, is a really big part of, 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 of who I am and what I believe. And it's allowed me to do that. And, and, and specifically, so I, I was, if I could tell you another story, like yeah. I, I was a, f- a philosophy major in college. <laughs> Started out as a business major. Nice. I kind of wish I'd stuck there. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't do calculus. And so I switched <laughs> to philosophy. And I, I took a I took an existentialism class. Okay. Um, and existentialism is essentially about like the, the world is meaningless. So you get to create your own meaning. Hmm. Um, and that's a lot of like kind of postmodernism, what we believe today. And I, I remember uh, reading one of the guys. I can't remember who it was. But it was all about the idea, like, the world is meaningless, everything's meaningless, and because of that, you're, that gives you freedom. Mm. You're now free to do whatever you want because there's no overarching narrative sure. that tells you what to do. And I was like, well, that sounds freaking depressing. <laughs> um, and I was just thinking about my, my own life, and, it, like, I, I believe that, that God loves me no matter what I do, and I can't mess that up. Mm. And I also believe that, like, no matter what happens in the end, I know what the end is. Like, like he loves me. I'm, I, he, heaven is this giant, yeah. awesome thing. And so, you know, because of that, like, man, that's, there's, there's way more freedom in knowing you can't mess it up. And when you fail, no matter, like, you know, the ending. Yeah. And I, I use the, the illustration of like, if you had a lot of ticket for a billion dollars in your pocket, mm. like, what would you be free to do? Yeah. Like, you'd be like, I can't mess. I have, yeah. this, I have, it doesn't matter. I can yeah. take, I can. And so for me, I think just knowing my identity and know, having this faith and knowing like the end is good, like has freed me to like to go for it mm. and, 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 and just like, I don't want to live with regrets that I didn't chase it. And then maybe I'll fail, but if I know the ending and I know the end of the story yeah. and how, you know, in star Wars, like Luke's Luke, <laughs> like you can, you're free to chase those dreams. Yeah. And so I always tell people, you know, like follow your heart. You get one shot at life. You get one shot to do this, do what you love. Mm. And that doesn't mean everyone has to start things or be an entrepreneur. That's not made for everybody. But I think regardless of what it is, like do things that love and light you up because you get one shot at life. Yeah. Uh, and, and specifically, if you know what you believe and why you believe it, and, and, and for me, that's faith and my relationship with God, that has freed me to take a lot of risks and chase the things because I'm kinda, it's kind of like bulletproof. Like yeah. If I fail, it doesn't yeah. matter because yeah. I can get back up again. Yeah. 
man, I love that. Um, I, anyone that's my friend has heard me say this before, that my biggest fear in life is being like 75 years old, like sitting in my lawn chair on my front porch with plenty of money in my bank account in a beautiful home with the thought in my head that I just lived a really normal, comfortable life and I went to work every day and I never risked it. Mm -hmm. And I never just jumped at the things that made me passionate. Uh, because to your point, and I, I say this to my wife whenever we consider difficult decisions, is that if I really believe that I have 10 billion years, 100 billion years after this mm -hmm. 20, or the next five that could be impacted by this decision, then doesn't that make this decision pretty meaningless? It makes it, yeah. it frees me up to say like, I can go just, let's yeah. just try it, yeah. you know, and whatever. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. hundred yeah. percent. And it doesn't mean everyone should go start a business sure. and do Like sure. I have friends that are accountants that are like, God made them to be in yeah. the, but they're yeah. doing what they love. Right. So I think the over, the, the bigger point is just, you know, do the things that you love. And there's an element of like work is always going to be hard. Mm. It's never mm. like, this is so fun. All, yeah. It's like work and you got to grind and yep. it's hard. But, but you should do things that inspire you and, yeah. and, and you're gifted at. Yeah, I mean, I find that in insurance. So insurance is such an industry that's not uh, sexy. And yeah. that, you know, no one, my joke in the office is I'll walk around when everyone's acting depressed. And I'm like, guys, this is it. Like, we are, remember when you were a little kid and you put on a polo and you grabbed a briefcase and you ran around the backyard and you're like, Dad, I want to sell insurance. Yeah. I'm like, my guys, we're doing it. <laughs> everyone's always like, you, you're so dumb. Why are you doing that? Yeah. But I'm like, the whole point is that, uh, like, it is what we make it. And there's like wonderful opportunities that we have every day. And like never in a million years, I think I would wake up fired up. To you, get to you get to help people. You get yeah. to meet people, yeah. you know, and you get, you insurance gets to help businesses grow and yep. support them and, and, yep. and benefit. Like that's, you're, you're helping create all those things. Yep. And, and, and touch a myriad of different businesses. Yeah. I mean, I, I work with so many different clients in different spaces. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, I, I fully agree with you that, that and man i think it's an awesome encouragement thanks for the vulnerability in that and yeah um so we kind of always end the podcast with the same kind of couple questions um you know when you look at all your businesses obviously you've got employees you've got the people side mm -hmm. of things and um, so you've got the benefit side uh, i'm sure there's a there's a lot of exposure there when it comes to building houses and um even some of the eno with consulting and giving mm -hmm. advice and so um when you look at insurance uh, what have been some of maybe your biggest pain points or uh, frustrations when you say insurance industry in general? Um, pain points? You know, I, I think just by nature, I am have a really high risk tolerance. Yeah. Like the, like, <laughs> I think probably most entrepreneurs yeah. have to. Yeah. So like my <laughs> threshold with risks is very, very like yeah. I have bet it all on the line a lot. Yeah. And so, which is kind of counterintuitive to insurance because yeah. insurance is all about mitigating risks. Right. And when you have like a, me and my partner, Jimmy, like we're just like, screw it, let's do it. Like, it, yeah. you know, <laughs> that in and of itself is contradictory sometimes with insurance, but right. at the same time you need that. Yeah. And so I, I think the pain point of just sometimes being like, do we really need that? Do we have to have that? Yeah. In reality you do, because yeah. now there's way more on the line than just you and him. Um, and so, ju and just knowing what we need between mm -hmm. all the different ventures we've been a part of, just, you know, having any idea of what we need. And sure. so, you know, you, you guys have actually been really, really great awesome. because, and our stuff is complicated because <laughs> I'm like, we, we have a construction company, right. we have a design company, we have a flipping company, we have a real estate brokerage, we have all these things. Right. And then having someone that will like wade into the messiness of that with us right. and help organize it. Yeah. And then, you know. Also, how do we how do we get you the best bang for your buck? Hmm. You know, because I'm also like I don't I don't like paying taxes. I don't like paying for insurance. <laughs> um, yeah, and so finding someone who will kind of fight to save us the most money while mitigating those risks and dealing with kind of our extreme we don't care about risk personalities. Yeah, <laughs> and so y'all have done a good job of that. You awesome. know, like I, I never feel like it's it, it's always like we're trying to find you solutions, hmm. uh, not just sell you something. Yeah. Yeah, which honestly, it's so funny in the industry, I certainly feel like uh, that's one of our differentiators. You know, we talk about being single source and really being ingrained with clients. Um, but so often, that's like the biggest, you know, difference I typically see meeting with a client versus uh, maybe some other brokers is at the end of the day, kind of all of us have the same toolbox. Mm -hmm. And 
it always kind of blows my mind when guys or girls are showing clients or prospects, you know, like half the tools mm-hmm. and kind of just playing there. Um, because typically in my mind, like a, a business owner like you, you're successful because you're probably a pretty smart guy. You can look at a, a set of problems or opportunities and you kind of select according to your business and your risk tolerance and this is how we're going to handle it. Um, and some so often I think like, the biggest differentiator can just simply be that consultative nature of saying like, Hey, here's all the things we can do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and understanding the client and knowing that, Hey, this guy's more risk tolerant, you know, maybe some of these other things might be attractive. And so, uh, it always kind of blows my mind when, when we see competition, that's not doing that. Yeah. I'm like, it's so simple. Just it to, is. <laughs> and it builds that trust, yeah. you know, cause at the end of the day, it's like, a, it's, it's right. trust. Right. Right. So then, uh, in that same vein, then, uh, if you could change anything about insurance industry or, you know, maybe brokers that you've seen in the past, is there anything that you would say, yeah, I feel like it could be better in this way, mm. especially cause you're someone who kind of always has a fresh set of eyes on things anyways. Um, I think, you know, I think just, just having the willingness to like sit down and, and, and ex- explain it. I, I think some of the requirements on the construction side are mm. silly to me. <laughs> uh, I don't know that I can get around changing, changing some of that. Yeah. Um, like needing to cover yeah. some of the stuff. Like I'm like, I don't get it. I don't know that I'll ever get it. I wish it wasn't that way, but it, yeah. it's fine. Yeah. Um, but I, I think just, you know, we talked about, it. I think just having someone to sit down, like let's explore all the options. Yeah. And, and, and when I feel like someone has my, my vested interest, me, meaning specifically, I want to save you money and give you the best bang for your buck, then, then that's always a good feeling. Yeah. Like that's someone I want to do business with for life. Like for sure. We're big on, on loyalty. Mm. And so when I feel like someone actually cares about me, not just selling me sure. the product, then, then that's, and I feel like yeah, I've gotten that. That's why I'm, yeah. that's why I'm <laughs> client. Yeah. Well, thanks. Yeah. And you know, again, thank you for being on it, uh, for being on this podcast and for, uh, you know, all of the compliments that you've given about Higginbotham and then just being forthright and being willing to share kind of some of your insight and wisdom to everyone that, that listens to this, especially to our like entrepreneurs and people that are aspiring out there. Uh, if people want to follow you, find you, obviously Google, but uh, where else? Where else <laughs> I always can say look? Google. It's, 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 it's like my dad's like, where are we going? I'm like, type it in Google. <laughs> I'm not going to give you directions. Yeah. But uh, uh, joking aside, yeah. so Jamie Ice, J-A-M-E-Y-I-C-E. You can find me on Instagram at Jamie Ice. Okay. On Facebook, backslash Jamie Ice. LinkedIn, I don't know what it is. Yeah. Type in Jamie type Ice. In Jamie Ice. Or 6th Avenue, 6th Avenue Homes, Green River Ordinance. Just Google any of those things. Yeah. I know I'm not giving you like, go to this website. <laughs> Just Google it. You'll yeah. find it. Sweet. Perfect.